they can't tell you their names. They can't tell you where they live, but in the mid to late 90s, these five teenagers can turn into animals to fight an invading army of evil brain slugs. Five dumb teens are the only thing standing in the way of complete annihilation. This is Anamorphic Time with Nate and Tyler. Get your hand off my girlfriend, you yerk-brained bastard! <laughs> this is for Daddy. Uh, make it like half the bottle. Catherine Alice Applegate wouldn't want this. She doesn't want this. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And like they're they're like, no, stop <laughs> shooting at children. Oh man, being twelve was weird. Hey everybody, welcome to Animorphin Time, early morning edition. Uh, yeah, a- Animorphin in the AM with Nate and Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. It's Nate Dog and the Killer Man. That's, oh, that's... <laughs> yeah, can we Killer Man? <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Listen to radio one of these days. <laughs> yeah, so welcome to Animorphin Time with Nate and Tyler. That's Nate. I'm Tyler. Uh, today we have a very special guest with us. We have activist slash good Twitter user slash host of the podcast, not safe for wonks. Ha- uh, also all around funny person. Good follow on Twitter. Today, we have Rachel Kahn. Rachel, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, how are you today? I'm good. I'm representing the Rachel delegation for, you know, all things Rachel and Animorphs. That's a very powerful delegation. Yeah, it's a powerful mm-hmm. block. <laughs> we <Yeah>. really... <laughs> we gotta I be careful with the Rachel block. I, into a grizzly bear and fight people. I'm more a fan of the elephant. I don't know what that says about me. I like both, honestly. But I know that uh, I was actually... So, we were just talking about this, but I read the book this morning. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like 175 pages and it's for yeah. children. It was not that bad. But yeah, there was font. like a moment in the book where Rachel's deciding between being a grizzly bear and being an elephant. And she's like, well, I really like the grizzly bear because it's mean. <laughs> <laughs> but I need to be the elephant this time because it's big. And frankly, <laughs> I relate. I choose between these things often. <laughs> Sometimes I guess I'm just more of a person who likes to smash than like, you know, rage. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if there's a distinction there. I mean, I, like, smash the patriarchy rage against the machine, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I would say, yeah. I mostly spend my time smashing against cinnamon rolls. Mm. All right, That's I, my yeah, morph yeah. of choice, is human who eats too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, we wanted you on this book. Well, technically, you wanted you on this book. You, you came at me, which I love that, because I never know who to ask, because you are a huge Rachel fan. You've got some stuff in common with Rachel. So give us your history with Rachel and with the Animorphs. Okay, so the first Animorphs book came out in 1996, at which point I was in, like, first grade. And I didn't Mm -hmm. really start reading them until, like, second grade or third grade or something like that. So, like, imagine me, you know, give or take like nine-ish years old or whatever. I'm not getting Mm -hmm. these numbers exactly right. But, you know, give or take ten years old. Um, just like powering through these books because I was bored in class and always finished my work early. And I had just this like immediate identification with Rachel because her name's Rachel, obviously. (laughs) And she's blonde hair and blue eyed, which at the time I was, you know, I'm still blue eyed, but my hair is much darker now. Uh, and she had like a lawyer mom, which I also had in common. Ooh. She was like a fashion boy, which I also am. I'm using boy <laughs> grammatically here, obviously. Um, and like, I don't the know. Royal just, boy, yeah. Ra- Rachel does not sit on her opinions. No, and neither <laughs> do looks, I. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's, that's one of the great compelling things about Rachel is that she's so outspoken and strong mm-hmm. while still remaining 
solidly in her own femininity. And, you know, that's probably not a point I should make, but it's something I admire about the writing of the character. Yeah, well, I think that probably Applegate very much intended for that to be the case, right? This idea of, like, girl boss that was so popular in the 90s. Right. You know, know, a girl boss that could actually change things, not just performatively clap. Right, exactly. Um, A girl boss who likes to just, you know, rip and tear. (laughs) I still haven't finished Eternal, don't tell me. Uh, I, I'm not going to try. I've heard it's too difficult, <laughs> and I got scared. Well, I love, honestly, you know, speaking of my commonalities with Rachel, I love really punishing games. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah. one of those actually beat Bloodborne people, you know? Oh, yeah, Bloodborne rules. The, the, yeah, it's there's a, a, a hard crossover on Animorph fans and Bloodborne fans, I found out. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, the Venn diagram's a circle. Yeah. Well, I mean, someday, perhaps for a different pod, I'll sit you both down and explain to you why I think Bloodborne is a deeply feminist game. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I am deeply intrigued with that. Well, you run around and you collect fetuses. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so, obviously I mean... all feminists love abortions, but mostly... <laughs> they, they love it. <laughs> yeah, mostly it's about, like, the entire thing is so focused on yonic imagery. You know, like, mm-hmm. you have, like, the moon, you have the blood, mm. you have the womb, you have the fetuses, you know... A lot of the characters are women, and a lot of the story is about specifically women being brutalized by, you know, materialist, industrialist forces. All right, uh, yeah, that that all checks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it is, in fact, a deeply feminist game. Oh, so I can feel some gamers' heads listening to this and just crying, and I fucking so love it. Well, to be clear, uh, my official stance is that I am not a gamer, and I am anti-gamer. But, yeah, I was about to say, like, I don't think Rachel's a gamer. Yeah. No, I'm actively anti-gamer, although I do play I, games. I don't consider myself a gamer. I'm just concerned about the ethics in game journalism. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We can tell you're always talking about it. Mm-hmm. No, uh, so we're here with Animorphs number 17, The Underground. It's the bat book. We've got Rachel on the cover turning into a bat. Our tagline on this one is, there's nothing to fear but the Yerks themselves, which, yeah, I, I mean, it's a great little cover. It's got our fashionista, badass Rachel throwing out her arms and turning into a bat. Objectively Love it. cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, it's I think... It's funny, I, though, because, like, they're only bats for, like, five minutes in the book. Like, they're not yeah, even it, bats that long. Mostly It really feels moles. like the animal of this book should have been the mole. Yeah, right? There was the conversation of... Should we turn Rachel into a mole? That, would that sell the most books? No, I think it's got to be the bat. If you want to sell books to bat to children, it's got to be the bat. Yeah, I feel like this, people just don't like moles. I love moles. Because we've had this discussion about I'm the a covers mole defender. Def- before, about how when there are girls on the cover, they're often more gendered to sell towards girls. And it feels like this one, it's got the girl on the cover, but the bat may be trying to draw in boy readers as well what do you think of that do you think these were sold differently to the different genders god i have no idea i mean like i don't think there's anything like particularly more masculine or feminine either direction about a bat versus a mole my guess is moles are kind of like lumpy and not very (laughs) dynamic and probably they didn't really want to put her 
you know, turning into like a small lumpy thing on the cover. And my guess yeah, is it yeah. was just not very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, it's, it's easier to morph into really a cool. bat as a person, right? Like if you're a mole, you just kind of fall down yeah, <laughs> and which, get small. Know, a person nugget is what you call Yeah. Hannibal yeah. Yeah. Um, Lecter's favorite thing at McDonald's. <laughs> a person nugget. It's, yeah, it's, it's M-A-C-K Donald. So he's a guy, Mac Donald. <laughs> swing and a miss. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. We'll workshop it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll punch that up and Ta- post. That, that joke was too smart for me. <laughs> <laughs> so we start our book here with the plan of let's use our morphing power to go to a Planet Hollywood opening. <laughs> The planet turns Hollywood with all the stars you could ever imagine. Yes! Join host Arnold, Bruce, Demi, and Sly when Planet Hollywood comes home. I love it. I. That's, man, if that's not a time capsule for the 90s and this book, my God, it's perfect. It's fucking perfect. They're going to go see Bruce Willis jam out with Shaq. Rachel wants to see the new Ralph Lauren clothes. Who does a fashion show at a Planet Hollywood? That does, That doesn't seem real. I know the 90s were weird, but nobody's just like, I need to see, it's either the MoMA, <laughs> you know, or uh, we go see the new fashions at Planet Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, well, also, like, so I was looking at the territory's uh, Little Brown Bats Living, which is their official name, by the way. I looked this up. So there's, little Brown, okay. There's Big Brown Bats and there's Little Brown Bats. And actually, I think on the cover, they might have the wrong one. Like, I'm not Ooh. sure, but it doesn't look like the Little Brown Bats I was looking at at Wikipedia on this morning. Um, but they don't like, they don't live in the Southwest at all. So we know that these people cannot live in the Southwest, right? Okay. There's like a mild to moderate chance they live in California or whatever. I mean, I know they're like supposed to be in like any town or whatever, mm-hmm. but I, I get California vibes. Yeah. You know, there are some California vibes, but to me, it seems like based on the, like geographic locations where bats can be found probably they're in the midwest so my question is on what fucking planet would a like superstar like arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) go to like i don't know des moines or something to like open up a planet hollywood like no one wants to go there especially on a speedboat (laughs) right and in the 90s to boot like why what is any of this like I, Although, I think I, I kind of buy that you would find a, like a, a cheap Hollywood like Red Robin style chain that's just overly priced in the Midwest. I feel like mm-hmm. that's where you would find a bunch of like, people are really into stars and celebrities, right? Yes. I feel like people in California are just kind of done with the idea of like celebrity worship, and even I think that even started in the '90s where people were just kind of done with celebrities. Yeah. But like, you know, the, the further you get away from California, the more people are, are engaged in in following like Arnold Schwarzenegger and his life and his big, strong arms. Yeah. Right? I wonder why a celebrity became president. Trump stakes are the world's greatest stakes. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Ha <laughs> <laughs> <Very> ha. <sad. laughs> yeah. Way to bring it down, Tyler. I mean, it's all it's you fine. think. I, you just happened. made the you made the case for him, and I'm like, oh no, that's how it happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, those dang Hollyweirds. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the Des Moines planet Hollywood. What stars would go to that? Like, what Danny Trejo would probably show up to that one. Yeah, Robert Zadar. I would like it, Robert Zadar. I'd Rick- rather see Robert Zadar than say, 
uh, Naomi Campbell. No, she's pretty. Uh, well, yeah, well, Robert Zadar has some stories. I'd like to meet John Goodman. John Goodman would be cool. He's they name check him. I think I don't know how I'd feel about meeting Shaq. I feel like huh. is Shaq a problematic figure in the modern times? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if any of these people are, except for like I think Schwarzenegger has been compromised. Same with Bruce Willis. Oh no. As far I mean, as like, I don't think anybody with that kind of power is strictly unproblematic. Right? Having no. that power by itself is problematic. I yeah, think. but um, like a, a Zadar, a B movie actor star. Oh yeah, he's probably yeah, yeah. a real chill dude who's just fine. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bruce uh, Campbell <laughs> comes to the Des Moines Planet Hollywood opening. <laughs> yeah, the, the fries are groovy. <laughs> groovy. <laughs> Um, but they they want to they want to check this out because like whatever they're teens and teens want to check out celebrities which I get I yeah, would, I would I, go to I this. understand that uh, we've we've done this as teenagers yes <laughs> so Bruce sure. Campbell specifically <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know and even Jake is kind of swayed onto this plan even though like he's the don't morph for fun because I guess Shaq is gonna be there and he loves <laughs> b-ball so they're cool with it now <laughs> yeah, yeah if you want a, a nerd to break the rules you just gotta find something a nerd will break the rules for. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So who would you break the rules for? You know, who oh. would you like morph just to see in spite of those being the rules? Oh man. That's an excellent question. Mm. Um probably someone really fucking weird. <laughs> oh, I called in sick to see Street Fight live. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And- I did that. Uh let's see here. But let's um I'd probably I'd break the rules to go see. I'd probably see Bruce Campbell again. He's just weirder <laughs> in his old age. Yeah, like I'd yeah. want to see what he's wearing. He's got weird ass clothes, and I fucking love that. That's Part fair. of my goal in losing weight is that I can fit into weirder clothes. Hell yeah! You just need to find the right weird clothes. That's the right reason to lose weight too. Like fuck losing weight for like aesthetic reasons. Beyond that. Lose weight so that you can wear the weird clothes. Yeah, I need to yeah. lose weight until clothes makers learn that fat people want to buy weird clothes too. No, fat people aren't allowed to have fashion. I guess not. <laughs> so, so who is your celebrity that you break the rules for? Who's that person? Like, I'm calling in sick. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just going to leave my job now. See, I've, I've screwed myself over because I didn't have an answer to the question when I <laughs> asked it. Um, <laughs> I found Probably that if, Idris Elba, honestly, because he's my husband, even if he doesn't know it yet. And if I he's had the opportunity, he's a pilot. Yeah, I, right. If I had the opportunity to meet Idris Elba, I'd probably break some rules for it. Because, oh my like, god, I would go to one of his like EDM shows in a fucking heartbeat. I bet that right? would be wild. Wait, he does EDM. Idris Elba's here, and I finally got here. I'm really sorry. You didn't know he's a DJ? Every single time I learn a new fact about my husband, he becomes cooler. Oh my god, yeah. You can fire up some of his stuff on Spotify. It's actually pretty fun. I was driving through the Oregon desert recently, just blasting Idris Elba. (laughs) It's great. Like, you can see videos of him just, like, on a soundboard, mixing, and it's like, oh, God. He's perfect. He's fucking perfect. I would just like to say I'm disappointed in both of you for not picking uh, picking, um, um, Werner Herzog. Oh, Herzog's that's a good I'm, I'm surprised oh, neither yeah. of you are just like, where are Herzog? <laughs> like, because that conversation, you would leave it just being confused, possibly angry. <laughs> but it'd be a story you would never forget. <laughs> I feel like if I was going to use it on, like, a documentarian, it would probably be Slavoj Žižek, actually. Like, yeah, if you want yeah. a really interesting story from a documentarian, I think you can't get more interesting than Žižek. 
Man, imagine those two going to a planet Hollywood. It'd probably be a little something <laughs> like this. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do a Zizek accent. I'm sorry. I, I can't do it. Over can't. under the, that Zizek would go to a planet Hollywood without shoes. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I just. I just feel like he's too high saliva of a speaker, and that <laughs> that makes me nervous. <laughs> Uh, so that that's our planet Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Campbell, Zizek, and Werner Herzog. <laughs> while Idris Elba does the music. I would like it. another lemonade, please. <laughs> the enormity of, of their flat brain, the enormity of their stupidity is just overwhelming. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't. No, it's good. It's going to be in my head all day. <laughs> so so they fly over there as seagulls because... Yeah. No, no, they're, they're birds of prey. Oh, that's... Yeah, why are they there as birds of prey? Because they have the beautiful, strong eyes. Uh-huh. <laughs> to check to better. out... Yeah, to better look at, you know, John Goodman's pores with. <laughs> <laughs> they even say, I could see Bruce Willis's spit on his harmonica. <laughs> well, he plays the harmonica, I guess. Yeah, he does. Don't you remember? Man, I don't care about Bruce Willis. He's like the best five foot one harmonica player ever. Definitely the best five foot one harmonica player in Des Moines. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then that's when Rachel sees a dude in a building. He sees this dude throw a chair through a window mm-hmm. and start running for the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which and honestly, sh- like, mood. Yeah, f- yeah, for sure. That's this just whole- 2020 vibes. Yeah, this is, my God. Talk about courage <laughs> like a hero <laughs> I, I just want to break a window breaking windows is fun not only do you get to break a window you get to destroy an office and then you get to die the best part. 2020 that's the trifecta of success for me right right up until these meddling fucking kids. <laughs> if it hadn't been for these teenagers i would have been a puddle right well you know rachel jumps into action uh, to, to to save this dude, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but like, I, so how do you feel about the solution to this problem? They all stick their claws in this man and glide him to the river. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not gonna get into this broke the science of reality because it did. We know that a bird can't carry uh, 150 pounds of of dude. No, if how he's like, many birds can carry 150 pounds of dude though? That's that's what I was thinking too. Like, probably, like, I mean, you see, like bald eagles will fly off with baby deer and shit. Like they can, they got some heft under those wings. Yeah, yeah. but like for a while, it is just Rachel, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and but, she's just like you know, sp- spread. I was about to say spread eagle. That has different contexts actually. But she's an actual eagle. Yeah, but she's an actual eagle. <laughs> so, but I mean, they actually talk about that. Like, she's just falling like a brick while clinging to this dude's actual collarbone inside of yeah. his yeah. chest. So, yeah, but like, like it isn't until everybody else wing? gets there that they manage to pull off like gliding. Yeah, they turn into a hang glider. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got to be a small little dude. Yeah, yeah, we could say he's like George Edelman is a manlet, right? Yeah, I would Definitely. say so. Yeah, okay. they can put it, put him in his pocket and came around. <laughs> I want to die because I'm small. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay. You want, I'm, I'm sold, actually. I was about to say, like, no, that would, that would break a wing. But you're right, though. Like, bald eagles have carrying capacity. It's the one thing they do well. <laughs> yeah, and ospreys are fucking huge, too. There's two of those. There's the peregrine falcon, which is the biggest one. Yeah, but, like, well, not the peregrine falcons are, are more I of a speed bird than, yeah. yeah. I thought they were big. I don't remember. I know that from the Hardy Boys. It's all for the Hardy Boy fans out there. <laughs> they had a pet peregrine falcon. <laughs> 
be fair. Sorry. Right. I just had to throw that out. It's the only opportunity. If you so, needed any more proof that the Hardy Boys were bourgeois, honestly. <laughs> yeah, they had Falconing a falcon. Falconing is exclusively a bourgeois activity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've saved the day. Now let us falcons more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much, actually, yeah. Not good. So they glide this man down from the building into the loving arms of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> no, hold on. You I mean, so first the they water. try to drown him. Yes. They, well, yeah, the smart move. Dump him in the water. They dump him yeah. in the water. And then Rachel's like, I'm a water bird. I'll save him. <laughs> and dives down there, immediately starts dying. Right. Yeah, narrator how voice, does this... she was not a water bird. No. <laughs> yeah. How, how does she, how does this guy sink so well? He's a heavy manlet. <laughs> well, like, think about, like, velocity, too, right? Because he was going pretty fucking fast when he yeah, got Yeah, he was going fast. He's, like, they just drop him in the water. Yeah, I was. Plus, assume- he's probably wearing, you know, heavy clothes, mm. like normal clothes. Yeah. Okay, so, like... Also, bodies don't float until they've been dead for a while. That's also true. Or mm-hmm. if they're, they're like me and just, like, 90% fat. Mm. <laughs> no fat floats. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, you know, we already God. established he's a manlet. So he's, yeah, he's a, a manlet, but he's yeah. lean. He's a lean yeah. manlet. He's a svelte little manlet. <laughs> he's he's a like runner. a meatball, you know? Like, <laughs> he's, he's a, real packed in there. Yeah, he's all muscle, so it just sinks. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm totally sold this guy's a marathon runner. Like, ultra marathon. Nailed it. <laughs> yep. That's, that's why he eats oatmeal, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. Oh, so, okay, on this note, have you well, ever we gotta save. We gotta save it until we get there. Oh. <laughs> All right, but I'll save it, just, but I have questions. I'm, I like the excitement because I, too, am excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is the best drugs book ever. Uh, so so he, he gets saved, right? Yeah, like she turns into a dolphin, pushes him into the loving arms of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator becomes Resuscitator. All the fun stuff. They're, like, jealous that Schwarzenegger's getting credit for their, like, saving of his life. Marco says that Rachel now has is honor bound to yeah. protect this guy, which yeah, she's got a Wookiee life debt for George Edelman. Hell yeah, <laughs> which is a least a less problematic way to say what they said in this book. <laughs> yeah, Wookiee yeah. life debt. I like it. It's, yeah. it's a Wookiee. Yeah, it was the nineties. Like, I think about um, like Star Trek used to do that a lot, like the weird sort of like fetishizing indigenous people thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like. Uh huh. <clears throat> It was the Karate Kid era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> oh, Where inclusivity man. just meant present. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we like your food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they, they're hanging out. Well, yeah, so there's a part where they go to the mall to kind of debrief, and they're talking about, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And can't, uh, Rachel feels guilty about saving this guy's life a little bit, or she has, like, mixed feelings about it. Right, because Marco brings up the Wookiee life debt, um, but like ultimately, like Rachel kind of resolves on I saved this guy as a goof, as the way <laughs> that she feels about it. Did you catch I that can at all? Absolutely, see myself doing that too. Yeah, like being like, you, no, I didn't do it because I was afraid he was gonna die. I did it because it was interesting. Yeah, yeah what is that yeah. emotion? I mean, she just doesn't want to show any signs of weakness, you know. And so, and like, I mean, especially like weakness. in the '90s, right? Like, this is like the greed is good peak. So if this this girl is like 13 years old in, let's say, 1997, right, she would have been growing up right at the tail end of the 80s, the early 90s. And I mean, that's like when neoliberalism was at its absolute peak and everybody wanted to be like the killer, you know. Uh, That's a good reading because like it's like self-sacrifice is bad. 
right? Yes. Well, like you like, put yourself oh, in danger, okay. and you, you just need to do it for yourself. Don't do it to actually help anybody else. Yeah, she yeah. says it's a challenge. That's it. Yeah. yeah, I don't actually care. I just wanted to see if I could do it. And that's not what she feels, but that's what she's saying. Yeah, right to cover up that yeah. feeling. Well, because caring is vulnerability, right? And yeah. she yeah. does not do vulnerability. Yeah, we don't we don't do that on this podcast either. <laughs> she <laughs> she accepts the warrior image, but she doesn't accept the 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 like caring for another person as a reason for being a warrior image, right? Yeah. Yeah. She she does it because it's hard, not because it's right or good. <laughs> it's what she tells herself, right? right? She's fighting with that emotion. Yeah. And they they kind of worry that they might be, you know, narked on. And mm-hmm. Marco says, and I, I hate this line, but it'll start the conversation that the book starts. People will figure he's nuts. No one is going to listen to a guy who tried to kill himself. Man, that you is know, some... as a guy who has tried to kill himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's kind of <laughs> like... true, actually. People respond very, very strangely to suicidality. Yes, they do. And this book... I mean, I, we'll get to it with the very end. They do mental health and depression no fucking favors in this when oftentimes i can speak for myself as a kid i had a stronger idea of what depression and suicidal ideation was than the writers of this fucking book because this book they're just like oh he's nuts he's a peanut he's a cashew he's just nuts what kind of idiot would want to off himself what a stupid dumb little strong manlet who can't live in this world (laughs) to be fair this was the 90s. Things were still going okay for white people then. <laughs> yeah, we have new drugs now to fix this, all right? <laughs> I but mean, like, true, though. Like, true. Yeah. Like, um, my dad actually is a psychiatrist, which comes up occasionally. And, like, even psychiatrists were talking about people with mental illness that way back then. Like, he would come home from a hospital and, like, joke around about patients that were suicidal. Like, it's just, it's baked into the culture, you know? This idea that suicidality is this, like, deeply selfish, like, toxic thing and not just desperate. Yeah, I I don't understand, because I'm an ER nurse, so I work with a lot of suicidal people. And the idea of making fun of that makes my fucking skin crawl yeah it's it's an uncomfortableness like if somebody is not and has not been in that like that headspace then they just want to get away from it as quickly as possible it's it's the same like having like a race conversation right people just don't want to deal with it so they joke around about it right they they just want to like distance themselves because like having that conversation to them is like one of the most fearful things right so, so that's why people want to say, like, oh, it. they're just all crazy, right? It gets lumped, all mental illness gets lumped into the wacko cuckoo nuthouse. So like, pool. what is, I guess, what is the fear there, you know? Like, this, this idea that we're not purely in control of ourselves, maybe? Like, is it threatening to their agency, like, existentially, you know? Like, what, what makes people who want to die so frightening, you know? That, there's that, but then also, since they've never felt that, they don't know how to respond to it, like Nate yes. said. I, I, maybe it's like a fear. Maybe it's a fear like I might say something that will cause damage. Right. Right. Or I, I think, think it's a number thing. Who knows? Too, right? Honestly, yeah. I think there's a lot of disgust built into it. Yeah, which boggles my fucking mind because I work with other nurses who look down on these people, and mm-hmm. you know these other nurses have lived a frictionless, easy existence where they've Mm -hmm. never, ever been homeless. They've never, ever had to fight or work for any single thing. So when someone who comes in who tries to kill themselves, they're like, ugh, 
Have you tried just not killing yourself, idiot? Like they treat these people like less than, and it yeah. fucking infuriates. But me. like, th- but that's Rachel though. Rachel kind of has a good life. Got that lawyer mom money. She wrecked yeah. her house, and it was no big deal, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like they mentioned that, like you know, oh, I turned into an elephant, so there's some repairs around the house, but it's fine because my mom threatened some poor contractor. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's an interesting thing to put in a kid's book. Yeah, because, I'm glad they brought it up. In, uh, yeah, I'm glad they brought it way. up because the the smart kids, the kids who were depressed, will figure, oh, these people are just shitheads. Yeah. They don't get it. But, but like, that's but also, how I read it. yeah, I, and, and also we should give like the disclaimer, just because you have to. If you have suicidal thoughts, we'll we'll give you a number. There's a number on the notes here. Yeah, fucking DM me. Yeah. I've been yeah. suicidal. I'll talk to you. <laughs> me all too. For, yeah, like, I, I will. I'll talk to anybody. Like in, yeah, I love unequivocally, it. suicide is bad. Do not do that. <laughs> Unless it's really funny or you really want to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's uh, a parody. Do I need to say parody? That is actually bad. <laughs> please, no, I, please you know, don't. I have survived two suicide attempts at this point, actually. Yeah. Um, and I can definitely say with certainty, both that I have like gotten past that point of my life where I see suicide as an option and also that there is absolutely no way to guilt a person into crossing that no like you cannot tell them oh you have to do this because think about all the people you're gonna hurt like you have to for yourself as a person who experiences suicidal ideation find your reason for living and there has to be an actual reason Absolutely. You can't bully somebody into finding that reason. Like you have to nurture them. Exactly, which is why when I have suicidal patients or friends who tell me that they're suicidal, I don't say, "How can I help? What can I? What can I do?" I just say, "I'm here." Yeah, I'm here. You're you're alone. That probably doesn't help, but I'm here. Yeah, and I'm not going yeah. anywhere. You get a late night Sherry's uh, pie, <laughs> and, and have and have awkward conversations around bad coffee. Yeah. Well, another particularly useless piece of advice people give suicidal people is it's not going to be bad forever. And it's like, I have chronic depression. It's going to be bad forever. (laughs) Like, I'm going to be in pain. I'm going to be depressed on a regular basis for the rest of my life because that's how depression works. (laughs) It's it's an unending mountain you climb and the rock you're pushing is yourself. But listen, I think... Axe has a good point. Have you considered Cinnabon? <laughs> like a big cinnamon bun? Yeah. Like, you, listen, yeah, All everything around that cinnamon bun is going to be bad, but that cinnamon bun at that point, real good. Well, <laughs> the I frosting. think there's to which we're all doing that, right? We're all trying to find, like, brief moments of hedonistic reprieve. Yeah. Som- oh, absolutely. Sometimes you just got to relax and have a nice big bowl of oatmeal. I'm all about <laughs> chasing Can we talk those. about the oatmeal now? Well, we're so close. We're so we're almost to the <laughs> oatmeal. We're so yeah, we are. <laughs> we got to get to that oatmeal. We can get to it real fast. Go. You want us to get there? Okay. Rachel's mom is a lawyer who's representing George Edelman who's in the mental institution because his family's trying to take away his rights. Mm-hmm. They sneak in to meet him in a very stupid way. Well, I want to say that uh, Rachel's mom thinks that his brain is being invaded by the Yorks, which yeah, the I Yorks. Found, really, found really funny. <laughs> Sorry, continue. She says, oh, yeah, he says there's a York in his brain. And so they're like, oh, shit, he's a real dude. Yeah. So they sneak in there by becoming seagulls and cockroaches. They fight a spider on some bananas. It's cool yeah. as hell. That was, I read that and I was like, 
if you've ever seen a tarantula, by the way, not just a spider, a tarantula. It's a tarantula. <laughs> These are direct from like Central America bananas coming to a the state hospital. Yeah, because um, that happens. I mean, maybe it did in the 90s. Maybe the like in the night. Yeah, like the relationship the United States government had with South America in the 90s suggests to me that it's entirely plausible they would just directly be shipping them to mental yeah. institutions. Ra- Ra- Rachel loves the Banana Republic in multiple ways. A- oh, God, that oh, that's good, good but my, Hanna- my my McDonald Han- human nugget. Ah. <laughs> Wait, you didn't like that? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, they turn to a cockroach. There's some fun cockroach moments here, but I don't think we need to get into it. Yeah, she goes into a bathroom. She gaslights a a poor guy. Yeah. Because, like, uh, somebody, she turns human into a bathroom. Wait, hold on. I need to say that the right way. She turns human in a bathroom. I am frequently a human bathroom. Yeah. yeah. I feel my most human when I'm in a bathroom. Yeah. Oh, I meant, like, you know, I'm into, like, pee play, but, like, that works, too. Oh, hold on. Let me change it to fit that. I feel most humans in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Got it. <laughs> and, well, yeah, Rachel turns human in a bathroom. And some dude walks in and he's like, you're a teenage girl in a male in a, in a dude's bathroom in a, in a mental institution. A what are you doing here? Like- and she's like, you're crazy. I'm a hallucination. Go find George Edelman. And he's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Which, let's be real, like, there are certainly psychotic people oh, yeah. in mental institutions. God knows I've been in them to know. Uh, but like, they're not the majority of patients. Like, the majority of patients are people who have, like, tried to kill themselves. Or yeah, or have, have depressed. Like, they're catatonic. Disorder. Like, have an eating disorder. Yeah. Any number right, of things. Right. right, Like, most people in a mental institution are able to, like, discern reality. Yeah, that's... So, but then just, again... Like, it's a mental institution in the 90s that probably over-medicates. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So who knows? Well, I mean, the 90s was also, like, right during the deinstitutionalization movement. Uh, So that was, like, the period of time where all of these institutions were being shut down and the people in them were literally just being thrown out on the streets because they were, like, permanently disabled by mental illness. Yeah, I was about to say hooray because those institutions were nightmare torture facilities. But then again, (laughs) they they did just kind of get kicked out on the streets. No, no, don't worry. The people who get kicked onto the streets, they solve this at the end of that book. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the very last line of this book solves the homelessness problem. It's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, but in, in any case, uh, this guy goes, finds George Edelman. Sends him into the bathroom. Sends him into the bathroom. And Rachel's like, I'm working with your lawyer. Tell me about the Yerks. And George is like, oh, you're an Andalite. And she's like, yeah, I'm an Andalite. <laughs> and we find out that. The yerk in George's brain is immortal and also addicted to oatmeal. Right, because... So, yeah. Like, she puts it together. Like, wait, you are yerk-brained, but you've been in this facility for, like, you know, a couple weeks now? Like, how is your yerk in your head still surviving? It's like, oh, he's gone mad with oatmeal. (laughs) (laughs) It's Now, before we get into oatmeal, let me just say that in terms of lives destroyed by the yerks, this is one of the worst ways I think it can happen because at least with death, they there's freedom in death, like you die. But mm-hmm. this guy has to live with an alien who's constantly seizing control of his like body and mm-hmm. crazy. And he's like, yeah. in my few free moments, I want to kill myself, but can't. Mm-hmm. That's 
horrifying. Yeah, that's yeah. that is Black Mirror shit. I mean, I'm pretty sure he did go on to kill himself later. Like, honestly, oh, he had I think have. this victory was pretty pyrrhic in that capacity. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I want to pull over and yes. uh, talk about the least believable part of this book. Okay. Okay. Which is that anyone would eat maple ginger oatmeal. Yeah. That's not no, real. No, hold on, wait. That sounds that real good. That doesn't exist. <laughs> it's, yeah, I read that too, and I was like, yeah, that doesn't exist. You can find, you can find maple oatmeal, that's normal. I'm Googling I, this. Right I don't now, know if you can way. find ginger oatmeal. Maple, seems... ginger, what instant oatmeal. What the fuck? Oatmeal. This is a real thing. Yeah, I, oh, yeah no. I'm like, that doesn't sound bad. I mean, I have a notoriously, like, weird tongue for taste. <laughs> But like maple ginger doesn't sound bad at all. It's like, what if your mush was spicy? <laughs> yeah, hell yeah! I'm a fan of mush. Yeah. <laughs> We're big mushy boys here. We like, are mush fans. How do you feel of like cream of wheat? What's your cream of wheat opinion? Eh. I, I'm pro. I prefer what is it? Pablum. Pablum? I've never had pablum. Maybe that's just what someone called it, but it was like thicker, or maybe. No, it was thinner cream of wheat that they just poured sugar in. Incredible. I'd rather not have like soup. I so like, like the consistency. Milky sugar slurry, basically. Yep, that's it. Cool. Great. That's it. You know what else you can do is you can just like put sugar in milk. Yeah. <laughs> you can just yeah. get some Ovaltine or like uh, one of those Carnation Instant Breakfasts, like, and then you'd have like nutrition and not just sugar water with some wheat in it. I'm I'm just a fan of like normal oatmeal for being honest. Like just make yeah. some oatmeal. It doesn't take that long. Get a cro- get a slow cooker. Bam, oatmeal done. Um but but yeah, no, I I grew up on those instant oatmeal packets. I don't know about y'all, but Oh yeah, the yeah. peaches and cream one. Oh man, I'd put just enough water in there and microwave it so it was hard, so I kind of made like a little shell and I'd eat it with my hands. I was a Captain Crunch man. So, so your mouth is just like desolate. It's just I destroyed. I haven't felt anything in there in years. <laughs> it's it's calloused over. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, like, I, yeah, Captain Crunch is a, like if we're doing breakfast cereals, then yeah, I think I would have to go probably a uh, Frankenberry because mm-hmm. I'm a monster. Tis the season. I mean, when we're recording, who knows yeah. when this will come out? <laughs> um, oh, cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah, for me. So, okay, so maple ginger is the only thing they have in the hotel, uh, you know, breakfast area at this Super 8 that you're at. Mm-hmm. Do you eat it? Yeah, for you, sure. You're super hungry. I am a, I'm of the opinion that maple is underused as a flavor. But maple ginger. No, maple is great. It's the ginger part I have. Yeah. <laughs> like maple oatmeal makes all of the sense. I think it would be good with ginger. Yeah, I think it's just—it's not a lot of ginger. I bet you it's just enough. It's like you know, a little bit of salt in your coffee. You know, just kind of like, like wake it up. It's from slices of candy ginger is probably what it is, and I fucking go crazy for that shit. Yeah, I do love candy ginger. Yeah, that's Tell all you what, it is. Uh, since maple ginger oatmeal is real, after this, at some point, I will have y'all on the stream, and we will like live time. Or real-time taste tests of maple oh, ginger oatmeal. We'll sold. figure it out. Yeah. No, I want we, the... we can eat all kinds of Animorphs food. We'll get a Cinnabon. <laughs> I, I've yeah. been wanting a Cinnabon for like decades now. For a year since we started this book, mm. I've not had a Cinnabon. Um, I'm so sorry. But it, it, is, it does not affect us in like, you know, ginger wakes you up, makes you revitalize. I guess something about instant maple ginger oatmeal makes Yerks not hungry anymore, but yeah. also go insane. Go insane and live forever. So... We already know that Maybe if you it's the eat ginger, it's got to be right. No, the I ginger disagree. has I think... all the anti-inflammatory properties, right? No, I think it's the instant 
Because <laughs> they talk about, no, it's important it's instant. It's got to be instant oatmeal. Like, yeah. whatever is the instant yeah. in instant oatmeal. preservative works with those two wonderful flavors. <laughs> yeah. Some what? kind of curing process, maybe. Yeah. Well, there's that, like a like, powder. converts the ginger into a never-die drug. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a powder in instant oatmeal, right? Oh, man. Does that Probably, mean... Yeah. In terms of like fictional drugs like spice or neuroin for minority report, is instant maple ginger oatmeal count as like fiction drug? Yeah, I would say so, definitely. Right. Because yeah. like it it gets them high, right? Like we're all in agreement that like this is kind of just their drug. Oh yeah, they go nuts for it. Yeah. Like they can't stop eating it. When so, you think about it, it's kind of a metaphor for methamphetamine. Yeah. God, I hope so. Okay. So let's <laughs> the quick stuff in the book, which the the group sort of debates well okay well i think we need to end it out in like you know they they now have a mission yeah right like they have a mission of okay we now have this secret weapon against this the yurk empire we have this chemical weapon against the yurk empire uh so they go to anamorphs hq and they decide should we use this chemical weapon they're all they're all kind of immediately cool with it which i was disappointed in the group (laughs) rachel how do you feel about chemical weapons (laughs) Why don't we talk about the ethics Um, of this? Gosh. Okay. Well, so I think this is kind of a perfect microcosm of like international politics of the 90s, mm -hmm. really. Um, Because, you know, this was just after the Gulf War. Um, And this was like right at that sort of nascent period of time where like terrorism became like a part of the national consciousness. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that there's this sort of late terrorism around that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, terrorism, but like, you know, um, well, I mean, this would have been like 1987. It was like right before nine 11 happened. It was like four years before. It's not that long. Yeah. Um, And these, like these kinds of massive geopolitical forces don't just happen at once. Right. So, like, this would have been during that period where the Gulf War was festering and turning into 9-11, right? Um, And so I think probably more than anything else, it was just sort of from that backdrop for K.A. Applegate, like, where, you know, it just naturally made sense, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if you have to protect your people, you will do whatever it takes to protect your people, and I, I think that's kind of where it came from, right? So, do I think I right now would do chemical warfare against Yerks? I don't know. Maybe, honestly, maybe. I, I feel like their their morality they're still figuring it out because like yeah. they're they're totally against acquiring humans, which infuriates me. Um, because the, I feel like that you know, it, yes, it, it's it's definitely impinges on somebody else's rights and self agency and whatnot, but they are doing war shit um you know but like this is so far gone from what i consider in in the realm of morality because like it affects yurks and people too like it would just kill everything right might as well just drop a nuclear bomb on the city i mean the way that they like work it out right is that they're gonna do it into the pool yeah yeah that's that's true i think that's their kind of way around that that actual conversation but at the beginning there's like you know it's gonna it might affect my brother tom or rather rather it's gonna affect uh, jake's brother's tom uh, Mm -hmm. but like and just like all the other people like at the beginning of this conversation they're thinking that it's gonna be affecting like people right and they're still kind of cool with it it i mean this is whether they intended it to or not, this is the CIA introducing crack into the inner cities. 
Do yeah. You, okay, so that's where you. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's where a, I thought. That's the good reading of that. I think because like yeah, that it. That's not intended. I don't think that. Oh, they didn't think that through. <laughs> they didn't think that through. <laughs> but knowing what I know now, reading this, it's like, oh yeah, you just give crack to people you don't want to have any political agency or any upward mobility. This is them giving crack, giving methamphetamine to the Yerks. I mean, yeah, as basically. someone who had their youth and home destroyed by that very drug, it's devastating. It's fucking devastating. Yeah. I'm sorry that yeah. happened. It's, I mean, I've done it a lot is, of therapy. Right, but... I've done a lot of therapy. I'm better with it. Yeah, it's called anamorphing time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would not wish that on anybody. This, like, they yeah. don't, I mean, they're children, so they're going to do it. They don't understand what they're going to do, but I, it's. Yeah, I think that's it. You I, can't, you can't do that. I, I like, I, I'm going to adopt your reading of that because I think it fits way too perfectly. You know, like, yeah, they, they're, they're introducing, uh, you know, crack cocaine in the York communities, but it's like, it, I think, yeah, and they just have youth morality that they just haven't quite sorted out yet. You know, they're teenagers. Yeah, because when I when I was a teenager, I was like, yeah, war is cool. I like soldiers. You know, like because like you know because my morality was based off of watching a lot of GI Joe. You know, <laughs> um, and and well, I think you know to to give credit where credits due, I think Animorphs does a decent amount to kind of curb that that um, indoctrination. Yeah, and it it does yeah. present these dilemmas without. When they do the bad stuff, it doesn't let them off the hook, yeah. or it prevents them from being accountable to it. Yeah, which is good and bad writing. I yeah. don't know. I'm just picturing that. I'm picturing George Edelman. It's like I used to be hooked on crack cocaine. <laughs> I would get into all kind of trouble. <laughs> when I met the monarch, I was hooked on crack cocaine. I get in all kind of trouble. Monarch turned my life around. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I think that like Animorphs generally is very deeply like anti-war. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. It's like one of the sort of common, consistent meta narratives of the series, right? Is that like oh, we're yeah, sending sure. our children off to traumatize and be traumatized? Yeah, and I mean, reading this, sending these kids off to do chemical warfare, just whoo, yeah. that's some dark ass shit. Yeah, I love it. I fucking love it. But well, I gang- think you know. There's um. I also do. I am starting and working on and getting ready to launch later this year a Star Trek podcast that will oh, be called yeah. Gay Space Communism. Uh, and one of the things I want we've all three about, of those things. I, I want to be right? on the Ferengi episode. I'm a big Ferengi head. Right. I don't know. You're definitely invited. We actually <laughs> right. we talk about Ferengi regularly because obviously. Yeah, um, you have to. <laughs> it's great. This year is best my pawn far, so it's going to be cool. <laughs> yeah, um, but no. So one of the things we talk about a lot is like there are often within Star Trek these moments where they'll be faced with some alien species that for whatever reason is killing them. Mm. Uh, And I'm thinking in particular, you know, there's this episode where they have this thing called the crystalline entity, which exists by floating by planets and then sucking the life out of literally everything on them. And they leave it lifeless. Right. And the crystalline entity sucked the life out of my parents. You know what I'm saying? Hey, it's a drugs joke. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, but I know mean, it's it's kind of similar to that in that way. And there's this point where they're like chasing it down, and one of the characters wants to just blast it into oblivion, wipe it off the earth altogether. And Picard pushes back, and he says, "You know, give or take, this thing probably doesn't even realize it's killing us." You know, 
This thing, for all we know, is just a force that exists and has no comprehension that we are alive. And we have an obligation, morally speaking, to try and communicate with this and try and reason with it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, Meet because... me in the realm of debate. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But his reason for it is, you know, is this any more unnatural than, you know, a fox eating a hen? You know, is this any more yeah. immoral than a fox eating a hen, right? And so, like, if Yurks right. exist, right... And they need host bodies. Are they behaving immorally by, you know, taking host bodies from other people, right? Right. And I mean, I, I to me, I think the big sort of uh, hanging point is consent, right? Like you yes. can't just do this shit. You have yeah. to have consent before you take someone else's body. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the Yerks can comprehend consent, right? So oh, to yes. me, like that's the sort of inherent morality of it. But to what extent can you justify doing something, you know, that is really genocide, right? Yeah. Because this group needs something that you have. Hmm. And it's, 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 it's very, uh, it's very much a conversation about imperialism, I think ultimately, right? Like to what extent is it justified to, you know, I don't know, hypothetically speaking, like genocide white people to decolonize, right? Mm-hmm. Would that be justified given the continued harm, you know, we are doing on black and brown and indigenous communities? I'm for it. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a good run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I will be the first in line if that's what the decision ends up being. Like, I'm a white woman. We're bad. But I think that that's, that's sort of the core uh, question here, right? Like, to what extent are you allowed to do things that are morally abhorrent in pursuit of liberating yourself from oppression well it, it my, my my thing is like i don't necessarily have the complaints well i mean like yeah, there, there's no right answer here like really like it's just yeah. whatever you can accept as a person in, involved in this action right uh you know like if i was in their situation i would be okay i think with the oatmeal pl- pool plan but I would yeah. not be okay with the general, like, we're going to be killing other innocent people along with them. Because, yeah. you know, like, yes, you may be preventing further death and indoctrinations um, by killing these controlled people. But at the same time, like, you know, th- that, that is straight up is like, you know, not exploring other options, right? Well, they, I guess that's what they do. They explore other options. They sort it out like, okay, is there any other way? That we can get at these people. Yeah, we can get at a Yerk pool, right? And so Tobias, being the clever bird boy that he is and always finding these entrances, finds an entrance to a Yerk pool at the, a McDonald's. Yeah. Did, you, did you guys notice what they did immediately after this ethical debate where they're torn but they decide to do it? Uh, no. Uh, the ethical debate and decision to oatmeal the Yerks is in chapter... 11 and then immediately in chapter 12 Rachel has a dream about a yerk infesting her and taking control of her and how her life would be completely destroyed and this read to me like a justification that they needed to go do war crimes and I think that's a very clever way of trying to make their own argument especially for a kid's book where she says, knowing I am doomed and feeling the despair and hating that feeling inside of me, I feel the hork bajur kick my legs from under me, and I'm face down on the steel pier, and they shove me forward till my face is just an inch above the gray sludge of the yerk pool. It seethes and boils with swift movements of the yerk slugs, and then my head goes down, down into the liquid, and the yerk that will own me is there. 
I see him, a gray slug, a vague, indistinct shape in the liquid. I struggle, but what can I do against two horquature? I struggle, but my head is held there as I scream bubbles. The yerk touches my ear, like a large snail. That's how it feels. Then the pain. It forces its way into my ear. It's inside my ear. The pain is incredible, but so much worse is simply knowing it has me. It surges into my brain, and I am yanked, gasping up from the pool. I try to grab my ear, but my arm no longer works. I try to yell, but my mouth is not mine anymore. So I scream in some dark, lonely corner of my own brain. I scream. And the yerk chuckles as it opens my memories and reads my life. And I give way to the despair. Like that, we can talk about the ethics of this happening in the real world and how it's how we would either do it or not do it. But in this world, the yerks are evil. They are a pure evil force. Yeah. I mean, for the most part. So hear me out on this right like and this is gonna just immediately be like allegorical for capitalism so roll with me um we're down <laughs> imagine like you're not a visser right you're like mm-hmm. some pencil pusher yerk right because yeah. there's you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yerks in this pool way way more than they actually have controllers they established that uh so let's say you're like you know gym and accounting mm-hmm. right and you're just floating around in a pool. Like, you probably didn't choose to go there, right? They probably just put you in the pool and transported the whole pool across the galaxy to this planet where they're trying to take over. You don't really get to choose when you go into it, right? Like, you're just mm-hmm. sort of there, just doing your job, right? Uh, to what extent are you the evil one, right? Like, to what extent are we all the evil ones just by virtue of being born into the United States and existing in a culture where our material comfort is provided directly by, you know, imperialism and invasion and brutalization. It's, it's this really ethical conundrum, like moral quandary that we as Americans have, and that we are born into this awful, terrible system that does nothing but subjugate those that are deemed lesser than us. So we bear some burden that, but it's not a thing that we choose. So we're somehow on the hook and off the hook for it. It's this weird thing that I think about a fucking lot where it's like, how much am I perpetuating this terrible system that I am in? And how much am I not like, I didn't want this. I don't want this. I do everything in my power not to have this, but the stain is still there. But there's yeah. no ethical acquiring under capitalism. <laughs> yeah, there's no ethical <laughs> in your infestation. Right, right. Um, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, to what extent do any of us have a choice? Really? To what extent do the Yerks have a choice? Even? Oh, probably none. Yeah, I mean, like you could rise up and then immediately be blasted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at Visser Three, the villain of the series, and if anyone displeases him, he just eats them or kills them or has them eaten or killed, and it's like, yeah, I wonder where we got that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. well we just covered this in the Finester book too, right? Like there's the ultimate like York capitalist who's just like luring innocent controlled, you know, people and eating their their brain slug for for sustenance, right? <laughs> like it, it, yeah, it they're very much in in that world. And as much as I would like to say yes, it is kind of a crime to kill all of them, even the innocent ones, um people are also kind of needing to survive as well. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, what I'm getting at is Al Qaeda was the good guys. <laughs> Iraq should definitely have a nuclear weapon. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's right. This podcast is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's like you know, I think there's an extent to which I relate to the Yerks here, right? Like, oh yeah, for I, sure. I relate to them, and I, I relate to 
these forces that act upon us and the sort of drive to just live, right? Yeah. And yeah. The kinds of y- terrible things Amer- we have to accept y- to exist. I accept that Yerks are, are kind of Americans and all cops are Yerks. Yeah. Right? Like, I, the, the more I think about our cops Yerks and our Yerks cops, I'm like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Like, they, they, they do what they can to maintain their current social structure, and that includes occupation, occupi- murder. Yeah, right. All right, hold on Just, a second. Let me loudly rip this weed pen for this conversation. You ready? Do it. Hell yeah. All right, let's go. Our yeah. cops, yours. <laughs> See, no, cops. I'm ready. Yours. Yeah, normally we drink during this podcast. So I feel <laughs> kinda, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, let, let's, um, keep, let's keep on rolling. Yeah, well, so, these conversations will develop also, as I we live, go. Also, uh, I live in the state of Georgia. Let me clarify. It's a CBD pen. Okay, Only. there we go. Yeah, yeah. I read that on the pen when you were taking a hit. Yep. Yes, it said CBD, not THC, on the pen very yeah. loudly. Yeah. The mm-hmm. weed pen said parody on it, so <laughs> yeah, you know, it's great. Joke. We're fine. Yeah, parody weed pen. <laughs> I mean, this, <laughs> this is Oregon. We've we fucking sleep on it over here. Like mm-hmm. we, it's everywhere. Yeah, I'm bored That's with it, it. Actually, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I've done too much. <laughs> I relate. Yeah. So. The their plan is they got to get the oatmeal in the York pool, and Tobias has been scouting the York pools, and he knows there's an entrance and a McDonald's, and you have to go into the McDonald's and order a Happy Meal with extra happy. I thought that was cute. <laughs> there's so much fucking product placement in these books, so much. Kids mm-hmm. love brands. Kids love, love brands. They love it. <laughs> I wonder to what extent she was like making money off of doing that, and to what nah. extent she just did it because she wanted to ground it in experiences that like ten year olds would relate to. I don't think that they it made any to... money. I think she. Mm-hmm. I think kids love brands. They, yeah. they do. I actually like... have a really funny story of this one time. I was driving my co-host Brandon over to my place to record something, mm-hmm. and I had my kid in the back seat, and she wanted to go to McDonald's, uh, and I was thinking we were going to go to the McDonald's like right by our house, but we passed a different McDonald's, and for the twenty minutes between that McDonald's and our house, she was screaming about how she wanted McDonald's, <laughs> like sobbing, just going McDonald's, I want McDonald's. You, you just need to where... adopt the lifestyle of you're the part of the triangle, the, that three point triangle. We go in, you order the single coffee, and you leave. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right, so anyway, to the it. point where it's become like a running joke. So I think yeah. actually name dropping McDonald's for children is probably the correct choice. Yeah, it's because it wouldn't work if it was something stupid or fake. Even as a kid, I'd read fake brands and I'd be like, "That's not it. That's uh, all baseballs are Spalding or something." Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't. I don't know. Sports. I don't know. What they are. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a sports guy. I don't know why I picked a sports thing. You're a baseball guy, though. Well, I watch it. I don't play it. <laughs> Um, so, so they, they try to go in there and order some extra happy, right? Yeah. Well, they, rather they, they, they wait for someone to order extra happy. Yeah. They follow that person as flies. Yeah. They try to go to the York pool, but they've got a force field laser killer machine. Yeah. Like th- this is the first time we've encountered the Gleet biofilter, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I feel like is incredibly useful in every situation. Like, yeah. why isn't that all over the place it's now? It's just everywhere. Yeah. Which, right. It shows that the Yerks are stepping up security and taking this more seriously, which is a nice escalation in this war against these guerrilla terrorist children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would be kind of flattered if somebody busted out a Gleep biofilter from all the, the havoc I've been causing. Um, but they escape. They're about to get blasted by this thing. So yeah. they, they, they bug out because eh, they're bugs. <laughs> uh, that was very good. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 
Um, and they decide they need to have another plan. And this is where Cassie says, you know, I have this entire collection of unique animals. Yeah. Maybe we should try a mole. Yeah. Why don't... <laughs> Tobias, he knows the locations. We generally know where it is in the city. Why don't we just dig down to it? A, a the classic dumb animorph plan. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Just, this is st- yeah, pants on head, stupid. Fantastic. <laughs> to be fair, they're like 12. Yeah. Like, they're in middle school. Right, because like when, when I was a kid, I totally think like, oh yeah, moles, they can go like 50 miles an hour beneath ground. Yeah. They don't need to like... I always wonder, like, in this book, what are they doing with the dirt? Like, you can dig the dirt, but you have to actually, like, bring it up, right? One of them keeps it in his pant leg, and he walks it out when they're doing (laughs) baseball. Yeah. To be fair, how much um, dirt do you need for, like, a single mole to get through the ground, right? It's probably not much. Like a quarter cup of dirt, probably? Probably. Yeah, they're not not big. Well, I don't know what the average size is. We we didn't do the mole book report because this is a bat book. This is the... I'll save moles... For, we can do moles later. <laughs> yeah, we'll do moles later. But, but they dig. It's claustrophobic. It's fine. It's not... Well, re- the claustrophobia thing actually kind of... I have very few phobias. I'm, I have no fear of heights because uh, I have a simple brain and can't acknowledge I'm in danger when I'm high up. <laughs> yeah, but like, Nate has no fight or flight. <laughs> except when nice. it comes to claustrophobia. I think I would, I would rather just be like put up against a wall and shot than have to go spelunking. Mm-hmm. Right? Where you have to like squeeze in that small area and yeah. then kind of like you can't move, but you can wiggle a little bit. Like that, oh, that's no, legitimately no. frightening. And that's uh, what Rachel yeah. has to do in, the, in, the, in this mole excursion to dig down to the Yerk Pool is that she has to like put herself in a spelunking situation. Even though the mole knows it's safe, she does not know that she's safe. Right. Right. And, and like, yeah, the descriptions of enclosing and cavens and all that is just like, it got to me a little bit. Yeah, same. I wish, like, there's so much buildup and digging here, getting to the Yerk Pool, when it would have been so much more interesting to do it later when they're digging out. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get to that. I'll talk about that later. Because yeah. that's the part that got to me was when they were digging out. Yeah. But either way, they spend days on end digging 50 feet down. They they somehow don't encounter bedrock. Yeah. <laughs> Which just, like, they go right. right around it, whatever. And they plop down into the bat cave. Just like face first, right into some guano. Yeah, they drop down in some bat shit. And they're like, oh they they, they, they get close to saying shit. They do. One of these they books has got to cut. They yeah. do. Yeah, but then no, uh, Cassie, the, the the polite lady of the group, uh, says, no, this is guano. This is guano. <laughs> she just saw Ace Ventura 2. <laughs> she knows it's guano. Right. She sure did. Um, and I think this is a good time. Like, let's learn about some guano. Yeah. Tell us your animal facts. Let's hear the little brown bat facts. Animal facts. Little brown bat facts. Animal facts. Brown Prince Jake and Cassie, Tobias and Alex. Rachel and Marco, the bandits are here. They want to listen to animal facts. Fuck all the yurks, Marco's mom is a bitch. Give me that brown bat. That sounds gross. (laughs) Give me the brown bat. You can't see me because this is a podcast, but I'm just sitting here like amused and shaking my head. Yeah, she is in complete disdain of our stupidity. I, I'm used to the look of disappointment, so it's fine. I mean, same. 
Yeah. So brown bats. Other than like, I know the brown bats are how we figured out they're in Des Moines. So that's like the first important thing, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, so us in Oregon, we will not see a brown bat. Yes, yes. Okay. Wait, am I the one giving the book report here? Yeah, you are. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Um, well, so here's the random things I learned about brown bats that I kind Love of it. talked about earlier. Um, so there are two kinds of brown bats, and they're completely different species. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is called the big brown bat, and the other one is called the little brown bat. I love scientists. <laughs> They're, They're boyfriends. so cool. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and I'm just assuming for these purposes that it's a little brown bat, because why not, right? Um, they're more common. They mm-hmm. are very common as pests. Uh, they'll frequently be found in like people's attics and stuff like that. Their guano causes uh, an illness that I'm going to have to look up real quick. But thanks to the magic of editing, it's a COVID nineteen. Uh huh. <laughs> oh no! What happened? I know. I there's, can't there's another one. Bat um, guano. Do, do, do. Histoplasmosis. Okay, that's Ooh, what it is. like toxoplasmosis. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but it's actually unironically very similar to COVID nineteen because it destroys your lungs. Cool. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. And so it Don't is this. Yeah, it's this uh, illness that, as the guano itself like decays, um, certain uh, fungi will grow in it, and that's what causes the histoplasmosis. So. Ooh. Yeah, and so, I mean, it just, like, wrecks pretty much everything in your lungs, and, you know, that's very bad. It'll hurt your uh, pericardium, it'll hurt your lymph system, it'll hurt your skin. Like, it's just, it's it's very bad. Um, so I should not, like, have a cool bat friend hanging around yeah, me. Yeah, or at the very least, out. if you have a cool bat friend, make sure to clean their bat box frequently. Okay. Uh, but that's, like, the big reason people want to Do not get eat these. the bat box. <laughs> Right. And that's the big reason people really want to get bats out of their attic as quickly as possible because, like, you can actually, like, really screw your shit up. Yeah. Um, and aren't they, like, that... a big vector for, like, rabies as well? Like, if... Yeah, they are. Yeah. Actually, like... no. Uh, no. That one's not true. They are known as a big vector for rabies, but that's actually, uh, that's a misconception. Oh, man. I have tortured them. some poor people with rabies shots then. Do you yeah, guys know sorry. what it involves with a rabies shot? It's a big needle, isn't it? Doesn't it it's... go into your stomach, too? Uh, so here's what you do when someone's been bitten by something and they think it has rabies. You get the first big shot in your stomach, which hurts. <laughs> and then the area where you've been bitten, I have to inject vaccine directly into the wound. So it's me just jamming a needle into your wounds yeah. and infiltrating it with vaccine fluid. No. And then you have to go get more shots after that. And no. hope that it works. You know what? Screw that. I want the rabies. <laughs> <laughs> I will take the cheap and decidedly American option of one bullet, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah. What else about bats? Um, they're cute. They're super cute. They are super cute. Yeah. I, know, I don't get like the revulsion to bats. Like I, I always thought bats were kind of adorable. Like, I mean, I could see if I lived in, like, ye olden times where, like, people would just have bat infestations and then suddenly die. And, you, you know, you're thinking it's, like, spirits or some shit. Like, I could see <laughs> hating the bats for that. Oh, well, yeah. No, I'd be terrified of various Nosferatu and Draculas. Yeah. Right, uh, right. Yeah. No, that'd be bad. Um, but overall, like, yeah, I'm, I'm generally pro-bat. I think that, you know, I don't, I'm not afraid mm-hmm. of it getting stuck in my hair or anything yeah. stupid like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do oh, and think... one last bat fact. Uh, yes. As of, I think, 2018, they are now uh, at risk 
they have been Jesus. dying suddenly because of this fungal infection that gets into their noses. God damn uh, it. And it's like massively fatal. So, yay. God, <laughs> we kill everything we touch. Yeah, b- bats are useful. Don't don't kill bats. Like, no, they... I think this one actually might have just been organic because it really is just like some disease that has just ripped through them. Yeah, but I'm just saying we want bats hanging around. Like they yeah. they eat bugs, they eat nasty garbage that we don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. They look really dope. They do look really dope. You can uh, entice like, them into your yard with bat houses, and then they'll eat all the mosquitoes. Ooh, yeah, no, they love oh. mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want a bat house. Yeah, we should get some bat house. Do I do somebody that had a bat house. It's pretty cool. Didn't yeah. Um, so they're they're down here going batty. God damn it! <laughs> there you go. Why do you get to do it and I don't? Because I'm a, um, I'm adorable. Uh, checks out. <laughs> I um, think you're both cute. Well, Aww. thank you. Yeah, we're, we're we're small brown bats. <laughs> you're the big brown bat. And you're just like brown bats, you don't usually have rabies. Yes, Man, excellent. I have given so many. I've infiltrated so many rabies bites. Infiltration is a cool word for just really being stabbed over and over again with a needle. <laughs> oh, man. I do it all the time. I'd probably do it three or four times a week, not just with rabies, but with like lacerations and stuff. Do you ever say to yourself, this is an infiltration mission? And <laughs> I'm going to. Great. There have been times when I'll like hum the Metal Gear Solid theme. We're like, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> poke, poke, poke. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Anyways. <laughs> so, so they're in this cave, complete darkness. And uh, they have to turn human in a pile of bat shit. <laughs> yeah. They probably have histoplasmosis now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that. Well, they don't because they turn into bats. And I imagine bats have ways of dealing with that. I mean, they make it. Yeah. So <laughs> they're probably cool with it. Uh, so so they, they turn human, get covered in bat shit, turn into bats, are cool with being covered in bat shit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they, they fly into the yerk pool, which is uh, adjacent to this bat cave. Yeah. Which the Yurk Pool is now guarded by big orb gun robots. You know what I'm picturing when I read that is uh, the rover from the 1970s TV series, the the Prisoner. <laughs> if you have, if you know what I'm talking about, you should look up the rover. It's just this big inflatable ball that just <laughs> captures people. It's fantastic. I was picturing the big ball from Phantasm. Yeah. The, oh yeah. That's, that's pro- this is literally probably... just a giant ping pong ball of death. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but this this one, you're, it's probably closer to Phantasm, where it, it's silver, it has guns on it, <laughs> yeah. it goes over, notices a bat, immediately starts blasting. <laughs> yeah, totally blast the fuck out of all of our Animorphs. Like, blam, axe is down. Yeah. <laughs> blam, down goes, uh, who else goes uh, down? Jake gets it. Tobias gets it. Tobias gets mm-hmm. it. And then finally, Rachel gets yeah, it. Yeah, Rachel. Her, she her, very well, gets it. Well, Rachel goes down heroically. She's trying to carry uh, axe. Out of the cave, mm-hmm. or yeah. uh, no, Carrie Tobias. Yeah, that's right, Carrie Tobias. Yeah, she's going to to save her her uh, boyfriend, friendo. What's a cool word to say, boyfriend? Now, partner. They're not, they're not really, officially can you dating. Have a partner at twelve. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> her know, crush, war, maybe. War makes people grow up quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's this true. is olden times. They get married at twelve. <laughs> uh, the olden, live olden very times long. of nineteen ninety seven. To but be like, fair, yeah, Epstein he... was definitely marrying twelve year olds in ninety seven. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was. Hey. It's not... uh, no, it's fine. We did a bunch. Of, <laughs> we did a bunch on Epstein on the billionaire Yerk episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, but she goes down trying to save Tobias. Yeah, gets her wing totally blasted off. Yeah, and she goes careening down into a yerk pool. Which was her nightmare, and that's terrifying. Yeah. A gray sludge pool full of slugs, that horrifies me. That's worse than being buried. Like, ugh. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm along with you. I don't but... like things touching me in the water, especially if there's a lot of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went swimming in a river uh, a couple months ago, and a fish touched my foot, and I freaked the fuck out. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I went so, to the ocean, you know, last year when it was safe to do that, and got jellyfished, like, square in the middle of my ooh. back. Oh, no. Oh. Oof. Nope. Yeah. yeah. And I Turns out you should not go be, there. Yeah, the ocean. Uh, bad place for me to go specifically. It was, like, the first day we were there, too, so I just didn't go uh, back to the beach. Nope, I was nope, like, no, nope. I'm good. I'll stay by the pool, y'all. Yeah, I'll just but, um, read outside. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I'm imagining, you know, yurks probably have an approximately jellyfish texture. So oh, that's yeah. where my head went. It's just like me and a bazillion jellyfishes. Just sliming all over you. Yeah. So she makes the decision to like hobble herself over to the edge where she doesn't feel yurks, mm-hmm. turns human. Which I'm just like, no, do not turn human in the yurk pool. Which, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like that's horrifying. But it's also Rachel, like the strongest badass. Like, of course, she's going to like have fear and say, fuck it and just do it. Would Marco do this? No. <laughs> Marco would just say, he'd be like, I'm a yerk now. <laughs> hey, I, I give up. <laughs> I mean, Marco, where's he at? He's hiding in a freezer right now. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, really missed opportunity to acquire a yerk. Oh, true, just like put true. one in your pocket? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, just like it. literally oh, grab acquire, one and okay. absorb it. Like be able to become a yerk. Yeah, but like that's that's farthest from your mind. I would not be thinking like it's time to like strategically, you know, acquire <laughs> some poor yerk. Right. More, how I do I not die? But it's, it's worse, horrifying. She, controller. I'd be too grossed out. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I'd be disgusted. And she crawls out calm and collected. Well, she, she doesn't crawl out. She turns into an ant. Oh, she does turn... Oh, fuck. Right, because like she needs to sneak past all the Harkbajur that are like mulling about. Yeah. So she turns true. into an ant. The, she mentions this is the most afraid... Of, like She hates the ant more, more than anything else, which I get they were torn apart that one time they did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she does do it, and she crawls up the pier. She's blind. She's confused. Mm-hmm. She hitches a ride on, on some human controller, and uh, gets knocked off. And she does all of this blind. She yeah. wanders into like a storeroom blind. And then you know morphs into human. Which I'm like, yeah, good job. Not nice sneaking around there, Rachel. Yeah, she sneaks in there. She grabs a gun. <laughs> Wait, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, she finds the gun crate. <laughs> yeah, she's like, this is some weird language. Let's pop it open. And boom, it's guns. Yeah, she starts like, you know, putting grease paint under her eyes and like starts, you know, strapping in. Ready she's go. got like the top head, like top half of her head is black paint, like Furiosa, <laughs> yeah. just ready to go. Well, let me. Okay, no, she does none of these things because <laughs> she's still infiltrating this yerk pool. Yeah. Yep. She finds, she blasts some hork She finds a woman. She blasts the woman. But, and then she finds, like, the guard human controller and plants the gun on the guard. <laughs> well, hold on. There's a very Rachel moment when she blasts the woman. She mm-hmm. takes her jacket and her glasses, and she's like, ooh, DKNY, very nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, it's good, like, I'm oh. glad I don't have to do this infiltration mission wearing trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's <laughs> like, I'm going to look good. Well, yeah, when she was an ant hitching a ride, she noticed that, like, oh, the thread count on this is pretty low. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what they're wearing down here. <laughs> you know, she is a woman of tastes. She, I mean, 
yeah, she has no fear. She'll fucking kill you. But she's used to like comforts, and if there's comfort around, she will find it. <laughs> Extremely girl boss energy, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I worship Rachel. Let's be honest. Yeah, you I, and the character, I, both great. I'm just like I, I like certain aspects of Rachel. I think she just needs to tone it down a little bit on the fashion. <laughs> there were more important things. <laughs> No, I, I I like that detail. That is a nice little moment in detail. No, I, I like the detail, too. So good. Well, and yeah. if you've ever, like, I don't know, been to, like, a, a protest that got scary or something, like, you know, like, there are these moments of absurdity in scary moments like that, uh, or in scary situations like that, mm-hmm. where you'll notice some completely mundane thing. And it's like a small, strange thing. And it's like, why would I even notice that right now? Right. And I feel like that actually is kind of an authentic moment to what. Uh-huh. Like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that, that that's really a good way to ground like. that. Yeah. Because you know, there's this latent absurdity to being in danger. <laughs> you, you really yeah. notice the, the, the tastes of a tear gassed hot dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is a unique flavor. Yeah. When the tear right. gas comes out, you take a look at the. Instagram rapper taking pictures on his car. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. yeah. It happens all, right, all yeah. the time, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's just this absurdity to it that, like, while these things are happening, right? Like, while you're being actively tear gassed, like, two doors down, there's just like a family sitting in their living room. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's a good point. And I think, yeah, it helps ground Rachel a little bit is to, like, mm-hmm. focus on labels. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it, just a great humanizing little detail. Yeah. She blasts some more people, puts the gun on someone she blasts, and she's like, it's him. Get him, fellas. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, she does that move not but once, but like a couple times in the <laughs> yeah. sequence. Where So, okay, so yeah, she she goes, um, Cassie pulls her aside. Yeah, she almost she blasts Cassie. Cassie. She yeah. almost blasts Cassie, but then Cassie's like, hey, no, don't. <laughs> um, and then they, they go into another storeroom, and they meet... Um, Marco, who's, who's just g- gorilla. <laughs> yeah, he's just like chilling in the, the back room, just like sitting on a crate. Like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and all the while, Visser Three's come and he's like, nobody move until you've been inspected. Right, he's locking shit down. And Rachel's like, okay, I the oatmeal is one room over. We just have to get right. To it. Cassie told Rachel about the current situation with the rest of the gang who's been captured. Mm-hmm. Right, Tobias, Jake, and Axe all captured. Axe is back in his andalite form. Yeah, the other two are bats. Yeah, because they can't morph, because they're still trying to keep the secret uh, that they're not Andalites. Um, and, yeah, and so, like, they, they start making this plan of, like, okay, we know that there is oatmeal storage, because the guard that she planted the gun on was stealing oatmeal. Yep. She was, like, squirreling away, like, little bits of oatmeal, right? And she got <laughs> caught. Yep. And, and like, the, the, the Hork-Bajur controllers are, were chewing this, this uh, human controller out, for sinking as low as the humans with their drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, all right, s- subtle. Com- nice drug shaming. Subtle commentary there, 90s animorphs. Yeah. <laughs> like, you would dare to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> How could you? Uh, yeah, which is why I like the, the, the oatmeal is a uh, cracker cane allegory. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, like it was all over the nineties. Like, you know, if you, if you took drugs, you were a monster. Yeah. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You are right. I learned it by watching you. The cops would immediately pull the pipe out of your hand and you would go to jail. Right. Yes. 
Um, Man, good shit. <laughs> but the, so that's how they discovered that there's a storeroom full of of all that sweet, delicious crack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haha, 1993 crime bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember that? Good <laughs> 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 thing that's uh, not coming. Back. Yeah, that'll never, never come back or happen again. again in any meaningful way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. So, so they they captured Corn Pop and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they get to the shed where Corn Pop has been hoarding all of yeah. his. Yeah, he's in there sharpening his switchblade on the curb. Mm-hmm. Marco grabs the chain. He's gonna wrap it around his neck. <laughs> and Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. Oh, he God. was a real bad dude. Don't he, make fun of him. <laughs> he, he ran with some bad boys. <laughs> oh, um, God. It, but like, no, there's some good moments here. Marco, you know, so. They they need the quickest path to the shed because yeah. if they try to like sneak their way to it, it'll take forever, and they're already on high alert. So Kat, uh, Rachel does the her her move. Yeah, the mental calculus of am I a bear or am I an elephant? <laughs> right. right. She goes elephant because she needs it's it's smashing time. It's smashing time. It's time to smash, and uh, she smashes her way to the oatmeal. Uh, uh, storage room. Yeah, she's given Marco the gun. Cassie's a wolf, <laughs> which I love the image of Marco with like a beam and a gorilla, because <laughs> like, he's the only one can use it because he has fingers. <laughs> um, and then Rachel goes to the storeroom and she she picks up the oatmeal and she gets caught out by <laughs> by Mister Three, who was strolling in, took care of the situation, locked everyone down, said don't. Well, yeah, like so they're in a standoff. They're in a standoff yeah, because like standoff. Rachel has up, the she's... barrel over her head, ready to throw it into the pool. Visser three has the gun, like a whole bunch of guns trained on Rachel and the other animals. Oh no, no, no! She's no, throwing she the barrel. Threw it in the pool. Yeah, she threw it in the pool. The barrel's in there. Marco's got the gun right. pointed at the barrel, and Visser three's like, "You better not do that." And Rachel looks at Visser three, looks at the barrel, looks at the gun, and realizes Visser three is just going to kill them. <laughs> Regardless, right. like he's going to let those yurks get oatmeal brained, right? And because we know Visser Three, he does not give a shit. Yeah, he doesn't care. He'll sacrifice everyone but himself, right? And huh. so Rachel does the most baller Rachel thing: storms Visser Three, yeah, takes Go- a bunch of hits to the face and tosses him in the oatmeal pool. Yep, because that's mm-hmm. the only thing he cares about. Visser Three cares about Visser Three. Yeah, <laughs> he's Visser Three. True perfect king. Stand in for just wonderful, awful monster. Yeah, perfect stand in for white dudes, frankly. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, you're right. Like '90s business executive villain. Yeah. I don't care about yeah. my underlings, but if you get me in trouble, I will capitulate to anything. Yeah. Yep. So they toss him in there, and he's like, "Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Don't shoot! Please, I'm Visitor Three. I'm perfect. Don't don't hurt me! Don't hurt me!" <laughs> like he buckles every time he can. And so they 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 kind of like you know sidle their way to the exit. Yeah, they go. grab their pals. Yeah, they start walking up the stairs, and Visser Three starts. He he developed a strategy to get out of the situation. He turns into like this giant flying blowfish bird monster, yeah. <laughs> like a hedgehog bird. Yeah, Marco shoots the barrel. Yeah, like so. Yeah, they do the plan. They shoot the oatmeal barrel. Every like the pool has been oatmealed. And Rachel's like, fuck this. And she shoots the ceiling and buries them in dirt. Terrifying. 
Worst plan, by the way. Now, here's, here's why this was tearing, terrifying for me, because they just gloss over it. They have to dig their way back up as moles, but they talk about how they have to stop every two hours to build human-sized areas to be underground while digging up. That is terrifying. I Also, could a mole dig a human-sized hole? I mean, there were five or six of them doing it, probably. And Wait, they just the like took turns. Not just collapse though. Like, how would you build structural integrity into that hole? You know, I have no idea. But that—that's what was terrifying to me. Yeah, no, it's true because like there are some spelunking caves where the way in is not the way out, mm-hmm. in that like you can squeeze into the cave, but the exit is a completely different area because yeah. there's there's just one way. Mm-hmm. The way that cave is shaped is that you can't actually go back in the way you came in. Uh, which is why I fuck spelunking. Never, never in a million years. I would never do this. Well, this is an anti-spelunking <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Every single like video I've ever seen, like movie or TV show or whatever, where they have a scene where somebody has to like squeeze through the crack. Oh, and like the movie. Just, like, the... And I'm just like, oh my god. Are they, and if they're like climbing like through ducts and stuff like that, like fuck that. I'll die. It's fine. No, the movie The Descent. If you want a yes! good spooky movie. Yeah, fuck that. That movie <laughs> Oh, that's a terrifying movie. I think I'm going to watch that for Halloween because I want to be scared yeah. during Halloween. You know, listeners, I- if you haven't seen The Descent, go into it blind. It's a Good. great movie to go into blind. Good first half, uh, disappointing second half. But that was matter. that a pun? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> it wasn't meant to be, but yes, I see now how it was. <laughs> You're allowed to do them. Yeah, I do. The Nates are better. There, I admitted it. You, <laughs> here, you can clip that out. Nate is better than Tyler. Cool. I'm just going to put that on my phone. <laughs> Be my ringtone when you call me. <laughs> so they get out. Uh, Rachel, on the way home, goes to the psych hospital as a bear, frees George Edelman. Yeah, she like one flew over the cuckoo and nests him completely. <laughs> just busts in as a bear, wrecks that wall, says, you're free now. <laughs> then go, leave. go, go. And then she goes home, ready to watch TV. And the book ends like this. By the way, if you ever see some poor, mad, deranged gentleman wandering the streets and raving away about things that live in his head, well, if you can handle it, give the man your spare change. Like, that is the neoliberal cure to mental illness and homelessness. Hey, give them the garbage money you don't need. She she thought she was doing a good thing. That's the thing. It's always good intentions, right? Like she went in, broke him out of the uh, you know mental institution, institution, which um, yeah, probably good. it probably wasn't a great mental. Well, no, hold on. They got quality bananas. They got like <laughs> seem. It seems like they were okay in there. I just mean ending this book with that message, like a book about getting aliens addicted to drugs and using drug warfare, and ending it with if you happen to see someone who's indigent. Throw a quarter their way. Like how do you how fucking, do you fucking how, bullshit? How do you end that book then? Just her watching TV. You don't need that part because I don't know. I don't know. No, I like I get it. Homelessness is a serious issue. Yeah. And homelessness and mental health issues are usually go hand in hand. And this was right uh, during not the entirely all the time, but, where yeah. it yeah. became a really big problem that got even bigger. Right. Yeah. And it's and, like, I, I get the frustration of just, like, yeah, like, spare change is not the solution. Um, but I guess the idea behind it was show compassion, yeah. which I get. Do as little as you can. Well, <laughs> you want my hot take? Yes, please. Love uh, of God, please. If you went into it knowing these things about him, the ethical thing is to let him turn into fucking pudding on the pavement. 
Like the right thing to do would have been to let that guy die. <laughs> there is uh, no future for that man that is a life worth living. God damn. Yeah, that's dark as shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's real dark. I mean, there are kinds of living that are worse than death, and I think that's one of them. Oh yeah, it's a prisoner in your own body half the time, a raving mm-hmm. alien the other half time. Yep. Yeah, but you know, like I feel like he could eke out something if he pulled himself up by his bootstraps. No, I'm not saying bootstraps. <laughs> don't, don't do that. You know, yeah, but, but I, I, I think it's like now he broke out. His family is still going to want to get a conservatorship over him. You know, yeah. he's not going to have less problems here. They're eventually going to find him, or he's going to just be on the run as a person who functionally has severe schizophrenia, right? For all all intents and purposes, and as much as he relates to the world as a person with schizophrenia would be treated, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and no, I'm not saying yeah. there's anything wrong with being schizophrenic. Like, I understand a lot of times people with schizophrenia, it's very treatable. The outcomes can be really, really good. But, like, in terms of the stigma, right? Especially yeah. during the 90s, mm-hmm. like, he's going to be treated like this, like, dirty, unclean thing for the rest of his life. In reality, he's going to be a prisoner and a slave. Like, nah, the correct thing to do was to just let that dude die the first place. Absolutely. Well, and- he- here's what I would say is, like, there's definitely a difference between actual mental illness and yerk brain right yes but i mean from the outside it's gonna look identical right the way people treat you is gonna be identical very true but like i I would say that from from the yerk perspective if there was a yerk in my head that was going mad and then i was just having a miserable life at that point i could see the argument for for uh taking the dark way out um but you know like for 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 non-yerk breaking individuals, I would never advocate for them. Yeah, right? yeah, like, absolutely I, I, not. It's it's different, right? They're different things. Yeah, I agree. And, I very much agree. And yeah. in in this book, I think the disservice that it does is that the yerk brain stands in for the mental ill brain. Yeah, that's that's the blurred line that I just don't feel super comfortable with. And the, the solution here is to break them out of the hospital and give them quarters. Yeah, like if that's not the mm. most neoliberal shill bullshit I've ever heard. Right. The solution yeah. is not spare change. Yeah. The solution is not. Oh, let them do their thing and they'll figure it out. You give them a little if you can. It's no. But like, it, it was never meant to be a solution. I think it's just, it was meant to be a 90s end of a very special episode of Blossom, be kind yeah. to the homeless. Yeah. they. they Which yeah. I'm like, yeah, you, you correct. You should be kind to homeless individuals. Yeah. Well, you know, to be fair, like this book series very dramatically impacted my moral outlook as a kid and in no small part influenced me becoming the like social justice warrior activist that I am now, which includes housing people, you know, which includes housing justice. So I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think maybe to an extent that was the best, you know, she could do as presumably a Gen X person who only had so many like cultural narratives to tap into, you know, and only had so many ways of even expressing herself. Right. Yeah. She, she didn't have the language to say like, you you know, go right. Be active in in uh, activist communities. No, yeah. she's they, like that, 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 in the nineties. Mutual aid was not a thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, I mean, people who you know write creatives are the people whence these new ideas spring, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I think that there's something to be said for like our inability to think thoughts that we have not yet like heard, you know, or to like independently imagine things that have never happened, that can be very limited, actually. It's a very difficult thing to do, cognitively speaking, right? And people like her are the people who are creating new language to talk about things. 
You know, so I don't know. I think yeah. I think we should give her a little bit of credit here for where she was in history at that time and the kinds of okay. thoughts she would even be able to conceive of as part of a narrative. Yeah. And I think especially for like a scholastic book, mm-hmm. it's hard to have that. They're already like tackling a whole bunch of other dark shit. Like you, mm-hmm. you can't overload somebody's brain like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, so the, the the only message you can really get in is just show compassion, which are like, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's fine. That is. Yeah. I, but I, I get your point in that, like, currently now, as adults, as reading that, there is more to do. Yeah, yes. there's so much more. <laughs> but and people and I think what, where your frustration is coming is that people legitimately give the argument of, no, you should just maybe give them spare change and send them uh to like a homeless shelter. Yeah. That that's yeah. that's the, that's the modern adult solution which is not appropriate. Well, there's Hand a lot of them... people who don't even want to give them spare change because they think they're enabling them. Yeah, do yeah. do not feed the bears. It's like <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that exactly. is that is something those words is something I have heard doctors say about patients. Yeah. It's like, "Well, you can't feed the bears." And it's like, "You're not a fucking veterinarian. These are fucking human beings." Yeah. yeah. Can I yeah. can I go off as a nurse no, for just, a second? No, just go off. Please. So one thing that I get into a lot of fights about at work is people not wanting to give food to a homeless person, someone who's not housed. Mm. And I was that person growing up. Like I was a homeless child. My family, we didn't have a house all the time. I remember times when the only meal I ever had came from a fucking hospital. So when I have coworkers say, oh, we can't feed the bears, they'll just keep coming back. These sandwiches, these little things of snack cost the hospital nothing. But another human being gets to eat, gets to live, gets to know where their next meal is coming from. That mm-hmm. is priceless. Yeah. It but is even fucking on the left, priceless. we have just horrible attitudes towards this, right? And this is like the the very sort of intense pushback from like the Jacobin crowd against, you know, mutual aid, right? Is because like, no, we have to address these bigger systemic problems. And it's like, these people are hungry now. Yeah. It can be both. These people are suffering now. Yeah, Yeah. we can do both. But it's, it's that same sort of puritanical, like work ethic will make you free kind of attitude that we have, right? Like... Yeah, I don't know who on earth works harder than someone without a home. Like, it's... Yeah. I mean, just give them fucking food. That's all we have to do. And home. We have more empty homes than homeless people. I'm going to advocate for a bill that's going to help create small business jobs that will give (laughs) these people opportunities that they need. It's a loan of $750. You have to be homeless to get it, but you do have to have a permanent address. I'll give them a lunch bag, but the only thing inside is a voter registration card. And and a collection of poems. (laughs) They're inspirational. They're intersectional. We had black and indigenous people write these poems. Oh God! And just... we had a gay. <laughs> we found one. We found one gay. We got it. Is it. Me, I am the gay. <laughs> yeah. But no, but I mean that's like that's the sort of liberal yeah, no, that, approach to all of these, right? Yep. It's like yeah. you know you you make these very sort of flowery gestures towards compassion, but you never actually make yourself uncomfortable or threaten the status quo. Yeah, right. Like I love that I've gone from being a unhoused person to someone who's comfortably now middle class i love being a class trader i love poisoning the minds of the rich people around me because they've never been that way it's no fuck yeah yeah. 
I donate money every single paycheck. Like if I see homeless people and I have money or food, I offer them both because you have to, you fucking have to. Yeah. I don't normally talk about this because I think that there's an extent to which like broadcasting, it sort of sullies it. Um, But one of the things I do on a regular basis actually is like, you know, before the plague and everything, I would just take homeless people to dinner and just sit down with them and just like talk to them like a person for an hour yeah, you know, like, and the number of times I have had a person start like sobbing because I was willing to hug them, like it's it's horrific. It is the most just savagely heartbreaking thing to see it, that these are people who have been so you know unpersoned. Yeah, they're the last, and not by me, the last acceptable demographic of people that it is okay to mock and treat less than. Yes, they have almost no rights, and yeah. To my father's credit, like he did a few great things for me. Like he beat me a lot, which made me strong. <laughs> That's not. That's the, no. <laughs> but, but I relate, Ashley. I yeah. too was abused as a child and became strong. Yeah, but there, I remember. I have this vivid memory of him taking me to McDonald's, and there was a homeless guy out front of the McDonald's. And my dad just goes up to him. My dad, horrible, fucking racist, misogynistic terrible person drug addict like abusive addict all these terrible things but he asked the homeless person what he wanted to eat and he gave the homeless guy that meal and that was something i've always carried with me because it's the right fucking thing to do and if my monster of a father could do it anybody can do it like it's what like what what's what's a what's a Big Mac cost? Eleven dollars? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> see, my my thing is, I just want to make sure that I hear them and I see them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, God right. Damn. It's like you know, we hear you, we see you. We will do nothing to alleviate your suffering. Yeah. I don't know. We are unwilling we... to act on this feeling of empathy that we're experiencing. Right. I, I just like to think that Rachel, when she grows up to be an adult, she will learn these lessons. Well, oh, I yeah. did. Right. So, yeah. Uh, she's, yeah. Yeah. There's hope yet. I mean, like, Cassie, Cassie is very like, you know, she, she will grow up to be like the eco-terrorist. Yeah. But I think <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> I, Rachel's going to be front sure. line black block. 100%. Yeah. Right. 100%. I mean, yeah. 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 I, mean, so I, that, you know, I know how I got radicalized, you know, because I was exactly that kid. I was the fashion oriented, like petite bourgeois kid. Right. Like mm-hmm. that was. That was me. And I mean, honestly, what happened is life kicked the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I. You went grew to a up. child war and then yeah. you came back. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't literally go to a kid's war, right? But like, you know, I, my parents abused me. You know, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I had just some horrific experiences in high school. Um, you know, I got raped a couple times and nobody cared, right? Mm-hmm. And God like damn. those those things could have hardened me. And for a while they did. For like my early twenties, I was very much one of those like hypersensitive, resentful white feminists mm-hmm. who like could not see past my own trauma. But then as I continued to age and grow and learn, like I, I learned how to use that to identify with other people. Yeah. And I and think as much as she tries to play it like really tough, Rachel's very perceptive and she's very emotionally intelligent. She understands other people's motivations clearly, right? She knew Visser three was going to just let him die. 
And I, I do not see her continuing through this life, through these experiences, you know, being traumatized and not eventually figuring out how to relate that to other people. You know? Yeah. I think she would be a good soldier or a good general, really, by the end of it, probably. I 100% agree. And Rachel, let me say thank you for being here. Thank you for coming on. This has been wonderful. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't want to keep you too long because yeah. we we'll talk about this shit for hours. Yeah. Well. Okay. Like. Well. Let's let's cap off the book. How did you like the book? Yeah. Is it a good book? Is did we did you enjoy the time underground? <laughs> yes. I I I enjoyed this book as I enjoy pretty much every Rachel book. It 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 was a nice light fun popcorn book. You know, like it didn't like really grow in any direction we learned a little bit but not too much but it it was it was just like a nice light fun read yeah there was some fun adventure stuff with some like big tent pole huge themes to think about yeah things that i read differently as an adult than i probably would have as a kid yeah but planting the seeds of those in a kid's brain like like you said rachel what it did for you it planted those seeds in my brain too. Nate's coming into Animorphs. He's never read them. Yeah. This is as far as he's read. So it's been fun watching these seeds yeah. get planted. But, but I already know these lessons. <laughs> you don't treat me like, Nate, when you grow up, you're really going to learn some shit. When you're finally a man who's read Animorphs, you'll be so much better for it. Uh, well, hey, listen, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. Open, open seat anytime you want. We throw that out to all the guests that don't suck. <laughs> I we'll find one guest that is just really this. awful. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying we've had those guests. <laughs> no, we would we would never say that either. And honestly, we haven't had bad guests yet. So so tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are looking for me on the internet, uh, I am Hegelian versus Predator on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> you can good. find me on Twitter, on Facebook, and on PayPal at reach rachel khan r-e-a-c-h-r-a-c-h-e-l-k-a-h-n that's me you can find me anywhere or you can check out my podcast not safe for walks we're doing daily live streams now uh we have some really incredible people on there if anybody knows like um we've been visited with the trillbillies we hang oh, out with Brett yeah. and ryan from street fight sometimes hell you yeah know, we've uh literally just got uh aaron thorpe he is Posidus trap god or oh, he rules. God. Yeah, he he's rules. one of us. We all know him in person. And he just launched a new podcast on our network, which is Not Safe Media. Uh, you can find that at YouTube slash Not Safe Media. And you can just see all of our live streams there. Um, we're on every major platform as Not Safe for Wonks or at NSF Wonks on Twitter. And, you know, we're around. We're happy to boost comrades. If you have a cool podcast about Animorphs, you want me on it. Like, <laughs> Definitely so check out all that stuff. Rachel does great work. I think I found you through shit posting. Probably. That's how, that's what you find everybody. That's how I find everybody. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is how we do it. We lift each other up. Yeah. We work yeah. together. We there make this shit better. There was a point where it, my podcast had 300 followers. You know. Uh, who uh, who are you talking about? About uh-huh. 300 followers. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, Listen, it's honestly, a tight 300. It was, it was slightly larger podcasts giving me a boost that made us make it. So I think y'all are doing good. Thank you. Yeah. And please, anytime you want to come back, we'll keep retweeting you. Yeah, yeah. sure. And we'll have you, y'all on at some point. I'm sure. We're we're all on the right side of this stuff, and by that I mean correct. Mm-hmm. No, I, yeah, no, I'm actually on the right. Side. I've infiltrated deep. This is actually <laughs> the new horseshoe theory. <laughs> all right, excellent. <laughs> and we'll end this podcast like we do and we have in the past. By saying, 
All cops are yurks. Yeah, all cops are yurks. And Everybody. all yurks must die. Give them oatmeal. <laughs> Give them oatmeal. Give them soup for your family. <laughs> 